Welcome back to Six Days to Sunday. Praise be to God. I know everyone out there is waiting with bated breath for Christmas Day to arrive, and you won't have to wait much longer. For all intents and purposes, there is no fourth week of Advent this year, as the fourth Sunday of Advent is Christmas Eve. It's tomorrow. And so, how are we wrapping up this preparatory season of Advent? It's exactly where we should be. It's the conclusion of the Old Covenant and the recognition of the New Covenant to come. In many respects, John the Baptist is viewed as the conclusion, the culmination of the Old Covenant. It's his voice crying out in the wilderness. His ministry itself was the messenger, was the call that the Christ was on his way. And so what does that really point to? We've talked a lot about judgment. We've talked about gifts. We've talked about the changes in the world, the, the conclusion of old things. And now we're heading into that, that item of celebration, the thing that we've been waiting for. What is it? I'm going to offer that, at least in this week's readings, it's a period of justice. It's a state of being of pure justice. Now, a lot of times people equate justice with judgment and they start fearing judgment because, especially as Catholics, we're, we're pretty good at the whole guilt thing. But justice is really about ensuring that God's word is done in every facet of the world. That it's a state of, of perfection and peace, a state of perfection and thought. It's a calm over all the world. Swords into plowshares and such. Now, clearly, you don't get straight to a, a, a point of utopia like that without some challenges. And so we're going to hear some about, about that this week. Most importantly this week, though, I think the church has us really looking at instruments of justice. That it doesn't just come on its own, but rather it comes through the form of of some very particular people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, people that are entrusted, people that are given authority, and people who are consecrated from their birth, and even before their birth, to execute God's plan. Would that we all had the opportunity to, to know really what his expectation for us was, we're going to see really, really poignantly this week just who were those people that paved the way for Jesus' arrival. And what does it mean to truly be an instrument of justice? These people aren't necessarily perfect with a couple of very notable exceptions. For all intents and purposes, though, they're flawed. And yet can still be the instruments of God's justice, the things that we can aspire to. Monday, December 18th, 2023. A reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous shoot to David. As king, he shall reign and govern wisely. He shall do what is just, and right in the land. 
In his days, Judah shall be saved. Israel shall dwell in security. This is the name they give him, the Lord, our justice. Therefore, the days will come, says the Lord, when they no longer say, as the Lord lives, who brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, but rather, as the Lord lives, who brought the descendants of the house of Israel up from the land of the north and from all the lands to which I banished them, they shall again live on their own land. The word of the Lord. Now, prior to to going on to the gospel on Monday, just a reminder about the book of Jeremiah. So Jeremiah was writing this as the Jews had just left the Babylonian, Babylonian captivity. The Persian Empire taken full form, and Darius was willing to have the Jews go back to their own land, go back to Jerusalem, to their promised city. And so Jeremiah spends much of the time talking about this departure, where prior to Jeremiah, you see the prophets, the kings, the judges, all talking about the departure from the Pharaoh in Egypt. And now Jeremiah says, we've been saved once again. We've under, undergone the Lord's judgment. We've been exacted penance. We've lived through that penance. And now we're being freed from the Babylonian exile. So an important note as, as of context as we're thinking about this, and that's really what the land of the north referenced in the, the reading is a reference to Babylon. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. When his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, but before they lived together, she was found with child through the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, since he was a righteous man, yet unwilling to expose her to shame, decided to divorce her quietly. Such was his intention when, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, into your home. For it is through the Holy Spirit that this child has been conceived in her. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph awoke, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took his wife into his home. He had no relations with her until she bore a son, and he named him Jesus. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Tuesday, December 19th, 2023. A reading from the Book of Judges. There was a certain man from Zorah of the clan of the Danites, whose name was Manoah. His wife was barren and had borne no children. An angel of the Lord appeared to that woman and said to her, Though you are barren and have had no children, yet you will conceive and bear a son. Now then, be careful to take no wine or strong drink and eat nothing unclean. As for the son you will conceive and bear, no razor shall touch his head. For this boy is to be consecrated to God from the womb. 
It is he who will begin the deliverance of Israel from the power of the Philistines. The woman went and told her husband, A man of God came to me. He had the appearance of an angel of God, terrible indeed. I did not ask him where he came from, nor did he tell me his name. But he said to me, You will be with child and will bear a son. So take neither wine nor strong drink and eat nothing unclean. For the boy shall be consecrated to God from the womb until the day of his death. The woman bore a son and named him Samson. The boy grew up and the Lord blessed him. The spirit of the Lord stirred him. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the priestly division of Abijah. His wife was from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Both were righteous in the eyes of God, observing all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blamelessly. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Once, when he was serving as priest, in his divisions turned before God, according to the practice of the priestly service, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord to burn incense. Then, when the whole assembly of the people was praying outside at the hour of the incense offering, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right of the altar of incense. Zechariah was troubled by what he saw, and fear came upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, because your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall name him John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He will drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of fathers toward children and the disobedient to the understanding of the righteous to prepare a people fit for the Lord. Then Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel said to him in reply, I am Gabriel who stand before God. I was sent to speak to you and to announce to you this good news. But now you will be speechless and unable to talk until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and were amazed that he stayed so long in the sanctuary. But when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the sanctuary. He was gesturing to them, but remained mute. Then, when his days of ministry were completed, he went home. After this time, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she went into seclusion for five months, saying, So has the Lord done for me at a time when he has seen fit to take away my disgrace before others. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. 
A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask for a sign from the Lord your God. Let it be deep as the netherworld or high as the sky. But Ahaz answered, I will not ask. I will not tempt the Lord. Then Isaiah said, Listen, O house of David, is it not enough for you to weary men? Must you also weary my God? Therefore the Lord himself will give you this sign. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall name him Emmanuel. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a town of Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming to her, he said, Hail, full of grace, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at what was said, and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of David his father. And he will rule over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I have no relations with a man? And the angel said to her and replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible for God. Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thursday, December 21st, 2023. A reading from the book of the prophet Zephaniah. Shout for joy, O daughter Zion. Sing joyfully, O Israel. Be glad and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has removed the judgment against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You have no further, further misfortune to fear. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion, be not discouraged. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty Savior. He will rejoice over you with gladness and renew you in his love. He will sing joyfully because of you as one sings at festivals. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, 
where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Friday, December 22nd, 2023. A reading from the first book of Samuel. In those days, Hannah brought Samuel with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and presented him at the temple of the Lord in Shiloh. After the boy's father had sacrificed the young bull, Hannah, his mother, approached Eli and said, Pardon, my lord, as you live, my lord. I am the woman who stood near you here, praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted my request. Now I, in turn, give him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be dedicated to the Lord. She left Samuel there. The word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked upon his lowly servant. From this day all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary remained with Elizabeth about three months and then returned to her home. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Saturday, December 23rd, 2023. A reading from the book of the prophet Malachi. Thus says the Lord God, Lo, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way for me. And suddenly there will come to the temple the Lord whom you seek, and the messenger of the covenant whom you desire. Yes, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who will endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire, or like the fuller's lie. He will sit refining and purifying silver, and he will purify the sons of Levi, refining them like gold or like silver. And they may offer due sacrifice to the Lord. Then the sacrifice of Judah and Jerusalem will please the Lord, as in the days of old, as in years gone by. Lo, I will send you Elijah the prophet 
before the day of the Lord comes, the great and terrible day, to turn hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with doom. The Word of the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. But they answered her, There is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs, asking his father what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was freed, and he spoke, blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, if if there was ever any question about why the Mass is structured so that with the exception of the season of Easter, when we hear from the Acts of the Apostles, every day of the year we get a reading from the Old Testament and then at least one reading from the New Testament. I think think this week really puts that question to rest. The amount of parallelism that we see in in the Bible between the Old Testament and the New Testament is really profound and I think points to Jesus's humanity, the cultural context of Jewish life in which he was living, and really the promise of what he was bringing to a people that were looking for a renewal of the old covenant, of the Abrahamic covenant that was built upon by Mosaic law, and then the judges and the kings, and ultimately pointed to by the prophets who said that there would be this this restoration of the covenant, of God's justice. There's that word again, justice. What, what does that really look like? I think, I think this week frames it in three pieces. One is really defining what do we mean by justice? I mean, that's, that's a pretty heavy word. And you heard over and over and over again that the presence of God's justice was both exhilarating And you heard from Ahaz in the book of the prophet Isaiah. You heard from Malachi. You heard from Mary herself that it was terrifying. That the the idea of having justice via judgment visited upon people was, was terrifying. And why is that? Well, certainly we, you know, for... For those of us that are Catholic, which I imagine is the majority of people listening to this, I mean, we're really good at the guilt thing, as as were the Jews. 
it was is a recognition and a humility that um, that we're imperfect by nature. But I think what's really special about that in this case is who was it that I was just pointing to as being likewise terrified and likewise being apprehensive of God's justice? The Blessed Mother. Ahaz, in the book of the prophet Isaiah, Elizabeth, Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. All of these people recognize their own imperfection. I think that in many ways, Mary says it best herself, and this was from the the reading on Friday. She says, He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to help his servant to the help of his servant Israel, for he remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. I mean, there was ever a characterization of justice. That was pretty much it. But I think it goes beyond that. I really love the passage um, and the the imagery uh, offered up by the prophet Malachi, who points to justice as certainly being something challenging to stand in front of. He says, who will be able to stand in front of God's just judgment and justice? He'll come like a purifier, like a, a like one who smelts silver and gold. Now, most of us probably don't have a really good image for what it means to smelt silver and gold. So I'll 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 offer up what little I know. Inherently, the ore that we pull from the earth is is it's never pure. It's filled filled with impurities that the purest gold you pull from the earth is still going to have impurities. It's just, you, you don't have perfectly, in the case of any metals, perfectly natural metals that, uh, that exist. So you want to pull out the part that's really valuable. And in the case of smelting silver or gold, you effectively cook it. You, you apply some lye, you apply... Um, yeast and and actually a, um, a sour mash and other things that you would expect in like a bread. And you put that the, the silver into that, and then you put it into a furnace. And basically the silver will get pushed up to the, um, uh, to the surface. Um, what does that mean though? Everything else is burned away. And I, in my mind, Malachi does an exceptional job really of defining what we expect in the state of purgatory. No, notice I don't call it the place of purgatory, but in a state of purgatory in, in the existence of purgatory, whatever that may be, you know, purgatory coming from the word purge. It's the purgation of the impurities that all of us inherently have. Because again, with two notable exceptions, the Blessed Mother and Jesus himself, no one was born without sin. And so we all have to, to wrestle with the fear of, of that justice, but also to relish in it. 
because we will be if we take take his words to heart and truly live his words then one of the gifts we we receive is that purification as difficult and challenging as it may be i mean i can tell you if you're if you're working to build up you know physical muscles it doesn't come with ease that building a great physical body means a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort, a lot of discipline. And likewise, it's what we see in the case here that Malachi describes around the smelting of ore. But let's let's take it as well back to what this looks like in the Jewish state. If we're looking at the reading from the prophet Jeremiah, again, he's talking about the period immediately after the Babylonian exile. We see in Isaiah and we see in Zechariah and Zephaniah comments about really uh, the re-raising of Jerusalem and overcoming the various forces that had pushed the, the Jewish community and nation, the nation of Israel and Judah down. And what's remarkable here is that they, they point to this Davidic king returning, that Elijah will hearken the return. And we heard, of course, last week, if you listened to the podcast, that Jesus expressly says that Elijah had already come at his, at his time and that Elijah was John the Baptist, that John the Baptist was imbued with the, the, the calling, the character spirit of Elijah. And so Elijah will, will be that uh, voice crying out in the wilderness. And, uh, and that then a shoot will form from David's line and repopulate David's throne, effectively bringing Jerusalem back to its full glory. And they, degree to which we look at that parallel of David and David's line to um, to Jesus becomes really impressive and it starts pointing to the second major theme that we have this week around the instruments of God's justice. First of all, I'm, I may be departing a little bit from what's a prominent interpretation here. A lot of people say that this is a second coming of David. In fact, if you look at most of the, the prophets, what they say is it's, it's a resurgence of David's line. Well, who was the first of David's line to take the throne without well, Solomon it was David's son by Bathsheba. And there's some great parallels there. If we look back to, to Mary's comments in providing that insight into um what justice is in the form of God, we can compare her in many ways to Bathsheba. And in fact, what's really interesting um, is, you know, oftentimes people criticize the level of emphasis and non, non-Catholics in particular criticize the level of emphasis on Mary. But in fact, if we say that David's throne, i.e. the throne of Solomon, was taken by Jesus, in the kingdom that last forever, who sat at Solomon's right hand, the wisest of kings, who sat at his right hand? Bathsheba, his mother. 
that in fact, the queen mother was placed in such a high place of prominence, influence, um, and importance in the Davidic line, they were, they were the first and foremost advisors to the king, even the most wise of the kings. So now you have Mary as the one whispering in Jesus's ear, as the one who is is really, you know, helping him to grow in his in his early age, and and of, and of course we have the the really fun uh, uh, story later in the Bible where Mary goes to Jesus and says, "Hey, you know, we're at this wedding. They're out of wine. Can you go take care of this for them?" And, and Jesus says, "Ah, you know, I'm not really ready." She says, "Go do it now." Yeah, mom, got it. <laughs> Um, and, and I think, again, it points to that humanity. It points to that, that again, that comparison and this idea that Jesus is bringing that justice, um, is bringing that Davidic throne back um, and is, for all intents and purposes, is, is representing the kind of king in the future with the wisdom, the prunes, you know, the justice that Solomon offered as, as, as well, um, of course, only in, in far greater uh, considerations because now we're talking about the kingdom of heaven. But that brings us to those instruments of justice. So I mentioned Solomon, who actually didn't come up in this week's readings. But man, oh man, were people having babies this week? Um, we hear the, the story of the birth of Samson and of Samuel. We hear about pregnancies of both Mary and Elizabeth. We hear about Gabriel bringing this news to so many. Um, and again, the parallels pull through. In fact, as I reread these passages preparing for this week, even more so than, than what I even realized. In the case of Samson, they're really explicit. You know, don't have any... Uh, wine or hard drink, no unclean foods. Elizabeth says the same thing. Um, you know, in the case of Samson, uh, he is consecrated from the womb. Samuel's mother, Hannah, says the exact same thing, consecrated from, from the womb. Elizabeth, Mary, all of these saying that their children were consecrated from the womb. I mean, for all intents and purposes, we're laying out these superheroes of the Bible who are intended to be God's explicit hands directed specifically by him to bring his justice. In the case of Samson, it was to put down the Philistines. In the case of Samuel, it was to convey his word and to, to provide guidance and, and counsel that would be the foundation of justice at that period. In the case of John the Baptist, um, you know, I mean, his entire message was was one of a restoration of God's justice among the Jewish people. And then, of course, you have Jesus who eclipses all of these. The reason I bring this up, both because of the impressive parallelism, but also because God's state of grace doesn't just happen. These people were employed as his instruments. And they knew this explicitly. Elizabeth knew 
that she was bearing John the Baptist, that he was going to be a great man. Likewise, Zechariah, her husband, you know, he, he had some doubt for a second. And what did he get as a result of that? He was a mute for the next uh, nine months. And then ultimately said, you know what? My son's name is John, which was really a, um, uh, a tremendous departure because typically in Jewish culture, child, especially boys, would be named for someone in the family, whether it be a distant ancestor or their father, as many were saying that, that John the Baptist should be named Zechariah. And Zechariah, the father, held true and named his son John, and his voice was restored. All these people, they knew through a visitation from Gabriel, through, through some direct sign, that they were the instruments of God. And yet, even in their cases, were terrified, to use the word that was, was referenced. It should give us all heart that we're not comparing ourselves to perfect individuals. We're not comparing ourselves to flawless and sinless people. But rather, we're asked to live very much in line with people who struggle with the same things that we do. I mean, even, even in the case of John the Baptist, you know, he was, he was acknowledging his imperfection. I'm not worthy to even loosen the sandal strap of the man that's coming before, uh, behind, uh, coming after me. So, in some level, you know, God depends on, relies on, demands that people be instruments of his justice, providing voice, hand, and leg to his intent. And we should be expecting to do the same. But again, you know, we, we sometimes lack those neon signs. In this case, there were a lot of neon signs. Gabriel's visitations, for instance. Ahaz was afraid to ask for a sign, and Isaiah said to him, you weary me by refusing to ask for a sign. You know what? You're going to get one anyways, and that'll come in the form of a child uh, uh, in the womb of a, of a virgin mother. Even the, the naming of John the Baptist was itself a sign, the restoration of Zechariah's voice, such that across Judea, people were speaking of it. This was no small thing. But I think all of us can find signs here and there. The reason I'm doing this podcast is because I felt like there was something more that was asked of me. Um, and people, people actually explicitly asked me if I might be able to do something like this. So, you know, we can still find those signs, maybe not the big neon signs. But two last sets of words that I would leave you with in the form of signs. Elizabeth says this week to Mary, Blessed are you who believed. You know, Elizabeth doesn't take it for granted. It could very well have been the case that 
Mary didn't have confidence, didn't have the immediate belief, but she did. This handmaiden of the Lord who becomes for us queen of heaven and earth, believed. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. And I'd like to draw a comparison between that and some counsel that Jesus gave to the twelve. When he says to them, you know, blessed are you who are able to follow and see my signs, but even more blessed those who don't get to experience being here with me and follow me all the same. I apologize for the paraphrasing, but I don't have the, the verse open in front. But fundamentally, he said, you guys, you guys got the neon signs. I'm here with you. Blessed even more those who have faith that don't experience this. So in some respects, for those of us who truly remain committed and faithful in the absence of the neon signs flashing in front of us, truly blessed we might be. Thanks for listening to this final week of Advent. And uh, I look forward to celebrating Christmas with all of you in our next week. As we're reflecting over the, the next few days, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, I just ask people to really think about what does it mean in my life to be an instrument of God's justice? What do I need from him to give me the confidence that I can do that? What sign am I waiting for? What sign do I need to create for myself in some respects, find in other people? Again, thank you all for listening. And thanks be to God. Thank you.